Listen, your bowling alleys don't even have like TVs. You still have to keep score on a piece of paper. I just want to say that the first word of the season was ass. And with that, welcome to season two of the Bullseye Podcast. Woo! We got renewed. We renewed ourselves. My name's Hefty. I'm joined by Carl Juan, Phil, Yo. and Tyler for this hey. episode. Big nice. game, Tyler. Big game you guys just won. Indeed. He was short. The rest just won you four. He yeah. was short. Excuse me. He was short. Yeah, because the Seahawks were definitely going to not stop us on fourth down. Oh, they 100% weren't, but at the same time, I'm still annoyed by that spot. Consider a makeup call for the non-recovered fumble from the first quarter. I didn't see that. I was busy playing soccer. Yeah. All right. So for those who uh, somehow missed all of season one, this is the Bullseye Podcast. On this show, uh, we basically shoot the shit, talk about USF sports. Um, but this season, we have a brand new segment we like to call the Snake Pit. Um, <laughs> That's the official never do that again. snake pit noise. So on the snake pit, we're going to be talking the uh, Tampa Bay Vipers, which is the brand new XFL team for Tampa Bay uh, with Quentin Flowers, the greatest the football player, player to ever play football um, in Raymond James Stadium. Mm. And all the rest of the players we don't care about. Just kidding. We might end up caring <laughs> about them someday. Um, be fun. There's some other bulls on that, on that team. We'll go through the depth chart later, perhaps. Um, but what I want to start off with is getting um, everyone on the show, but also everyone at home um, up to speed with the new XFL rules, which are super weird. Um, I like them, though. Yeah. Some of them I like, some of them I'm not a huge fan of. Um, the multiple forward passes, I think, Brilliant. is going to be the Quinton Flowers special. There's no, there's gonna be no way you can stop Q on that if he can throw the ball, um, like if they well, can do the double pass with him and he can either run or throw or he's gonna be absolutely unstoppable. Well, they could tackle him. Yeah, but you have to account for both. <laughs> I think it's a really, really good idea because if you are the quarterback and you are throwing to your wide receiver and you happen to be like behind the line and he drops it, that's a live football. That's a fumble. Um, so having the multiple uh, multiple passes behind the line of scrimmage as an option, I think is going to limit um, those hits that people take like from the blind side waiting for that ball. Um, but they're also going to be it's a whole new, it's just a whole new dynamic. It's super super helpful, I think, to the offense, which a lot of these rules are more helpful towards the offense than the defense. Yeah, they're which, definitely going for trying to trying to make it look like Madden scores. Yeah, I mean, they want excitement. Excitement usually comes from the offensive side of the ball. There's three-point conversion. And they two and are, one. They're <laughs> eliminating field goal. Not field goals. They're eliminating the extra, extra point, point kick. Or um, kickers. And, yeah, yeah, so after scoring a touchdown, teams have three options. Conversion on a scrimmage play from uh, the two-yard line is worth one point. From the five-yard line, two points. And from the ten yard line is three points. That's going to be that one. This is going to lead to really, really high scoring. I don't think you're going to see many teams go for two. I think it's going to be one or three. Yeah, two from the five seems a little weird. 
it you you would think so, but they do they actually do this in uh, intramural flag football back at back at USF and probably uh, intramural football leagues across the uh, country here. where they yeah where they where they have the you know, the the one two and three spots and yeah two two is the least common but you do see it a fair amount um, uh, two two was the most common in my league two is the most common in your league I saw a lot of ones and threes when I was refing for USF the because it. It's like, you know, you might as well just go, if you're going to go back that far, you might as well just add on extra five and go for three. Yeah. I feel like at the five-yard line, I actually give you then being close. I agree. Because cause so. I think the thing about the, about the three-point conversion that's, gonna, that's going to affect the, um, an actual football league is the fact that they'll just stack the end zone with defenders and, you know, just tackle them before they get, actually gets there because mm. you know they have to gun it for the end zone no matter what. Even if they, even if they check it down, then it's like, okay, everyone collapses. I mean, teams score from the 10 on goal-to-go situations. I think you're going to see a lot I mean, of really, really intense fourth quarters uh, that are down to the wire where a team is like, Maybe they haven't played their best the entire game, but they score a touchdown, and if they go for three, that's a nine-point turnaround on one mm-hmm. on one score, which is insane. Um, they're going to be able to come back in game when in the NFL maybe they couldn't or shouldn't be able to. Um, another way they'll be able to come back in game is there's an, there's something called the comeback period now. In the NFL, the game clock stops with two minutes left in the second quarter, two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, after an incomplete pass, when a player runs out of the bounds or uh, when they call a timeout. The new rule for the XFL is the clock will stop after every play during the final two minutes of each half. Not completely. It'll restart after the first five seconds of the play clock runoff when a player lands inbound. So the clock will run a little bit. But it will take some time. They ha- they will have to spot the ball, and then they won't start the play clock till they spot the ball. And once the play clock runs five seconds off, then the clock will start running again. So most teams will be able to get a playoff if they're moving quickly by the I, time I kinda, the clock starts. I kind of like that, especially you know in with the NFL, and especially you know in college, if you get a first down, the clock stops while they reset the ball. Well, that doesn't exist in the NFL. I kind of like that especially it's not your fault that you know the ref may be taking his time to spot the ball so i kind of like that if you're, you're not getting punished for um for that the one rule i was kind of hoping for um that actually came out of the arena league that i thought was fun was uh if you were trying to run the clock out you had to get positive yards for the clock to run so let's say you're trying to run the ball to end the game and you get a two-yard loss the clock actually stopped, so you had to get positive yards for the clock to run. I thought that would have been a fun rule. The nice part about this is you will not be able to, because of that rule and the play clock only being 25 seconds, you can't start kneeling out the clock until you're under with the ball. So it will eliminate that a little bit. It's not as much as what Phil might be suggesting from Arena Football League, but it will still cut down on the ability to run it out. I love the I love the quote that uh, Oliver Luck gave when he was explaining that rule. It's like you know, as a former quarterback, I loved being able to take a knee with a minute forty left in the game. But now, uh, but it's not exactly exciting for the fans to watch. 
and I'm I'm an old school fan, right? So like I I I live for strong defense, strong running game, um, and respect in the fourth quarter when uh, instead of running up the score, the team kneels down and ends the game. But I do see how it's a huge time waste. Um, even in the game we just saw, all right, it's a questionable first down by the Packers. All right, that's bad refing, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, and then they need the kneel the ball out for a minute and thirty seconds, and it's over in a playoff game. The XFL will be a little bit different, and I'm excited to see both teams play their hardest for the entire game. Uh, the next big rule I think is the twenty five second play uh, play clock. The NFL gives you forty seconds. Um, they're saying that the reason for a twenty five second play clock is it's really 32 because it takes seven seconds on average to spot the ball. So you're only losing really eight seconds. And to speed up the game, uh, minimize downtime between plays, um, and it's going to be it's going to be more football, I guess, because you're you're adding a, a a few more seconds every play, so there's going to be more on field uh, game. So my thing with that whole thing is that. If they're they're going to have to cut down on commercial breaks significantly, or else these games are going to take forever because of that. Oh no! What will we do uh, without no, that? They're not. No, that's well, they're not going to because incomplete passes and out of bounds plays don't stop the clock, so that'll offset it right there. Okay, true. That's true. I mean, yeah, that'll it, take care of it. It's a running game clock. I'm not sure. I like that out of bounds doesn't stop the clock. I feel like the only reason to go out of bounds is to stop the clock. Or to not get hit. Yeah, that right. too. Um, I mean, I'm fine with it. Because, and like, well, like Carl said, if that wasn't a thing, the games would take forever. So they right. kind this of needed it. They needed it. As far as I can tell, this is, supposed to, this, this is supposed to be a little bit more concise, like, in and out of the stadium in, you know, three hours or so. And if they, if the play clock plus you know NFL stoppages, then games would suddenly be like five six hours long because you're getting a ton of football in, and then suddenly you know every time they change possession, you gotta have like a minute and a half commercial break. Mm-hmm. It, I did think it was interesting too, and it's not so much with the time, but since they shortened the play clock, they gave what every skill position player on the offense. Uh, a um, headset in their helmet for communication because that was my initial concern it was that if with the 25 second play clock you wouldn't be able to get the play call but I'll be curious to see how many actual huddles are in the XFL with them well, all I mean, having no huddle offense you, 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 you don't need it if everybody has the bad dog if everybody has that, you don't need it. I mean, the linemen don't have it. They still need to know the play call, so they'll have. I would to, give it to the. But what, but what you can do, what you, you can have, do is just have the linemen line up, and then just have pretty much what the quarterback's doing, where he's just calling out protection, like you do anyway. Or yeah, but they need to know sign, if it's a run or a pass. Or That's hold, true. or just hold the signs on the sideline like you do in college. Yeah, we'll see some interesting stuff. Like I said, I don't think we're going to see traditional huddles. But they're going to have to be giving the plays to the linemen in yes. some way. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. They'll probably do um, some kind of code, I guess, like for 
uh, like calling out the de- what the defense is doing, but also um, the the snap count. How are the linemen going to know the snap count? Which is, I think, more important than even the play sometimes, because I think there's hopefully this doesn't lead to more offsides calls and and all starts when <clears throat> you're in these no huddles. At the um, same time, though, how do you know the? Snap I would at least give it to the center, the the mic or the the headphone. Play devil's advocate, though. I mean, what's the difference between like if you're running a no huddle offense, getting the lineman the um, getting the lineman the snap count? Yeah, I agree. I just you don't want to run your whole off is what I'm saying. So they'll come up with a different way. I'm 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 very curious to see what they're gonna do with it. So teams will only have two one minute timeouts per half instead of three. Again, this is to keep it you know, keep it going for uh keep the game going as long as possible in the shortest amount of time. It seems like every single rule is targeted towards this. I'm not sure it's necessary to take away a timeout um, when every other rule is all about making sure the game is, just keeps going. <clears throat> I feel like if for strat- like football strategy, timeouts are strategic. You know, you have to make sure you, you call them at the right time. And maybe two in the first half makes more sense than two in the sec- second half. I don't know. What do you guys think about two timeouts and a half? I'm yeah, fine with it. Fine. It seems well, at least of the few playoff games I've been able to see, most of the timeouts are being used for are being used just to stop the clock. I do see on occasion uh, some coaches what they'll do in the first half if they say you know they're not going to use all three timeouts, they'll line up a certain set just to see how the defense lines up. Then they'll call a timeout. You see that on occasion, but. It doesn't impact me either way. I, I think two timeouts is fine. Okay. Would you rather have two one timeouts per half, one minute timeouts per half, or three 30 second timeouts? I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We're going into the half with two timeouts in our pocket. True. <laughs> maybe, maybe, and just just more for the fun of Thanks, speculation. Coach Charlie. <laughs> maybe <laughs> too soon. Too Why? soon. Too soon. The season's over. Yeah, it's season two soon. <laughs> my my favorite rule change from all of this though is that I love the kicking and the punting. Agreed. Unfortunately, the punters, you know, not gonna be as important, but Ooh. I love what's the rule? That there's a bunch. Um so the kickoffs are now from the twenty five yard line. Okay. And he must kick the ball in the air and in play between the 20-yard line. So he can't kick it into the end zone. Out-of-bounds kicks and kicks that fall short of the 20-yard line result in equal procedure penalty, setting it to the 45. I think that is so... It will bring kick returns back that we haven't seen in the NFL, period. What I love about it is that What's it? The uh, visiting team or the kicking team is going to start at what? Mm-hmm. The 35 and then the uh, yeah, I have team the, starts at the 30? I have the exact language if you want to read it. It says the coverage team lines up on the return side 35 yard and the return team lines up on the 30. Each team must have three players outside the hash marks on both sides of the ball. 
and cannot move until the ball is caught by the returner. So only the kicker will be back on the 25-yard line. Everyone else will be on the other side at the 30 and the 35 staring at each other until the guy catches the ball. And then it's just all hell's going to break loose. I, it's I love going to be insane. I love that because it gives you it gives both sides an even shot to, you know, either stuff to stuff the return man or to set up a big return. Mm-hmm. Speaking of trying to barrel at you for 60 yards trying to knock your block off, the original XFL didn't give the punt returners yeah. blockers. And in the second game they had to change it cuz someone's like career ended. So they went so the XFL went from the XFL went from like super extreme to really, really trying their best with with health and safety for the players. And I think the NFL is going to see after, you know, either either the XFL works or it doesn't. Um, but I think the NFL is going to take some of it, mm-hmm. some of these safety precaution rules, because this is, this is really a, a, a sandbox where anything can happen and everything will happen. This is, the, the rules not feel like it's just two, uh, two teams going in their backyard and just playing football. Yeah. It feels like it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really hope the NFL takes this kick. Because kickoffs are pointless. They either need to adopt this or just start everybody on the 25 every time. Because right. that's all it is. Which I mean, I, Because like, one, of, one of my favorite NFL players of all time is Devin Hester. Right, the king of the kick return. Nah, Dante Hall, God bro. Bless him. Dante Hall is not as good as Devin Hester at kick return. Hester has Tyler, a good record. Tyler's a Packers fan. He's not allowed to like Devin Hester. True. <laughs> I don't know. At least he's honest. But Devin Hester, I mean, or Dante Hall was a chief, so it's not like I'm picking a Packers player over. over yeah, but you're, but you're, you're choosing not to uh, pick your rival's uh, glory hound. All, 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 I mean, all I, I'm trying to get to, all I'm trying to get to is <laughs> Hester has every single record, and they're like a 110-yard kick return. We won't see that in the XFL, and I'm kind of disappointed because I'm a real big, long kick return guy, but we'll see more kick returns in general, which I'm happy with. Yeah. Did but you I also, the, yeah, okay. I was going to say, I want to go over the punting, too, because I think that's fun, too, is so the punting team cannot release past the line of scrimmage until the ball is kicked. That's also in, that's also intramural uh, rules for punting. <laughs> so um, they can move laterally once the ball is snapped. They just the, can't cross the line, right? They just can't cross the line. And the best part is if the ball goes out of bounds inside the 35-yard line, major touchback and it goes 35. So there is no more coffin corner. Oh. I'm a coffin corner guy too. Yeah, I, I'm I very, that. very disappointed about that. Honestly, like being able to coffin corner on a semi-regular basis is a hell of a skill. Like, I, it is I a think, skill. I think, I, I think that's being disrespected a bit here. Yeah, punter well, life matters. Well, no, Pat, seriously. The interesting thing about Pat McAfee is he's on the broadcast for the XFL as an on-the-field correspondent, which is something I've never seen before. They're, the be broadcast team are putting a, a broadcaster on the field. They have to be off the field, I think, before the ball is snapped. But they're going to be able to like interview during the game on uh, the no field. No more bubble cams. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> it's just 
but he is one of the greatest punters of all time. A huge, huge, uh, going to be a huge face of the XFL. Um, and I wonder what his thoughts would be are, are on this punting rule. The coffin corner is dead when it comes to the XFL. Um, and it's arguably the best thing a punter has in their arsenal. Yeah. So Pat McAfee, if you're listening, hit us up with what your, your thoughts are on this punting rule. Where I was reading, it says that fair catches are permitted, though dis- trying to say disincentivized. Weird word. Be rational. Rational. Well, it's what? not there. I can't find it. Well, from what I was reading, yes, you can do a fair catch, but because people can't start running at you until the ball's kicked, even you if might you might have to grab a couple extra yards. Even if you have great hang time, you're going to have some chances to run. So unless the kick is just flubbed or something, you have really no incentive to call a fair catch. All right, I see, I see it here, and then, and and Phil really did explain it. Yeah, um, that's the it. XFL has instituted two rule changes to address these concerns. All out of bounds kicks create a touchback major to thirty five. And no punt coverage players can release after the ball's kick. This will create an average distance between the punt return and nearest defender of 11 yards uh, versus similar leagues of 6 yards, creating less reason for a fair catch. So you have double the length to get around. I still think people are going to get hit. Um, It's football. People are going to get hit. Well, that's more of their Madden awareness rating than anything else. Nah. So I th- what oh. what's left? The overtime? Overtime. Rule? overtime. Oh boy. This is gonna be fun. Oh mm-hmm. they definitely took out that whole debate over the, that the NFL's having there. Should both teams touch the ball? Because both teams are gonna get it five times. I love this. It's a five yeah. round overtime. Basically, each possession starts at the opponent's five yard line, and the offensive team has one play to score. If they score. It's like it's like any shootout, you know. If they score, they get a point. If not, you get an X, and then you move on to the next. I think you. I think you get two. I think you get two points uh, for each. Conversion. Yeah, two, 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 two points per conversion. But yeah, you get it. Yeah. Um. So the defensive team cannot score. If you turn the ball over, you can't run it to the end zone and have it it do it. Oh. Um, I know. I'm not sure if they'll keep that, but I get it for the sake of time in overtime. To just okay, guys. Next one. It didn't. Um, That's fair. Which is basically like a goalie making the save. And then booting it 100 yards into the other net. Right. So there are penalties. Uh, it'll be moved back from the from the previous spot. I don't see yardage, though. I'm assuming no, it's no, no. five No, no, no. If yards. there's a penalty, you just fail. It says if the sure. offensive team commits a pre-snap penalty, the ball will be moved back from the original spot. Oh, a pre-snap. Spot. If the yeah. one happens in the run of play, it's just you don't get it. Your try's over. It doesn't yes. get moved back. Ooh. Which I like that a lot. You don't get to retry that. It's just yep. you fucked up. You're done. Yep. Um, I guess that means. Die. I guess. Well, I guess that. Ju- I guess that means that if you see the play is not going to work, you just hang on to somebody's jersey, get a ten yard penalty, and try it again. If the defensive team commits a penalty, the offensive team will be allowed to reattempt from the one yard line. Um, that's interesting. I mean, that's pretty much half distance of the goal anyway. Right, and if a team has been mathematically eliminated before all five runs are over, game is over. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason to keep going. You're done. It's, it's literally a penalty shootout, and I love it. <laughs> and if teams are tied after five rounds, it continues until death. someone wins. I love that. There's no ties. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. yeah. I still like college better. 
I gotta admit. But <laughs> Okay, somebody's Siri. <laughs> it was my Siri and I didn't even say her name, so I was drinking water. <laughs> it was a uh, sound like Siri. It was the ice, I think, hitting the top of the thing. Um, I I will say though I do love that, uh, you know I I'm I'm a hockey fan so I always enjoyed the shootout. We get to watch football with the shootout. Like, how great yeah. is this? Yeah, I don't no, think it'll happen very often though. If I'm being honest, that that's the unfortunate part. Um, well, fortunate and unfortunate because the, the way they they're setting up the rules, especially with the uh, what what do they call it the comeback period? Yeah, comeback period. They're really trying to set this up that all games are settled in regulation. That said, I would not be disappointed if the first game went to overtime just so I could see how that's going to look like. I'm very excited for it. Um, The last rule change that is really worth mentioning, uh, there's a a few. Yeah, there's a couple left. The big big one is replay. I'm excited that they took the Sky Judge from the AAF. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for this. No coaches' challenges. All plays subject to review from the replay official. I'm not a fan yep. of that, actually. Why? The one thing I felt that the NFL did better than college with regards to reviews is the NFL says we will, if it's a scoring play or a turnover, we'll look at it. We'll look at anything in the last two minutes of a half. Anything else is on the coaches. Versus in college football, how much stuff gets checked just for the sake of getting a check? And that the coaches don't have to do it and sometimes these games drag on because the refs want to make absolutely sure that he got it all like on a third and one or something that he got it and you know sometimes it's good to check but how many games have we been how many usf games have we been to where we're looking at each other like why are they reviewing this when okay the but NFL, the nfl clearly play. still gets it wrong so what does it yeah. even matter it's okay so i don't know just personal preference they're right, making so- it quick though and another way that this works for you, Phil, is the list of reviewable plays is identical to the NFL prior to 2019. So before the crazy review, like, uh, pass interference thing. Oh my god, that has that to does, That's not in this anymore. Um, the exception is the replay official can correct obvious errors involving uh, player safety any point throughout the game. So if, mm-hmm. if the on-field ref called, I guess, I'm, I'm not sure if there's a... Um, a targeting rule specifically, but if, or if a, they miss a targeting call and uh, if they miss a targeting call, the replay official say that's targeting or out. If uh, that's an example, I don't know if that's actually in this league. Um, or any can also change any egregious, obvious error uh, that would have a significant so New Orleans impact would, on the outcome. So in the XFL, New Orleans would have gotten that pass interference called. Yes. 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 They they are penalty enforcement is one of the review. It's on what there. do you what do you guys think though of a ball spot as a referee who's solely responsible for spotting the ball? Good, just that's a good thing. I'm about it. More the more referees that have specialized jobs, the quicker everything is going to work out. Because um, then a ref, you don't have to have these big huddles with like five referees who all might have seen something, but you know three of them were on the other side of the field and actually thing. Having having the line judge be specially permitted to only look at the line of scrimmage and whether or not the ball got past the first down makes a lot of sense to me. I can um, get on board with that. For the, sure. The less he needs to focus on, the more likely it is he'll actually be able to get the right spot. It's as simple as that. The only thing that we missed 
in all of this is catch. It's one foot, not two. Yeah, college, rules. college rules. So I like that. I like. I, like I always it. like one foot over. I'm. Two. I've always been a big fan of the college catch rules. I mean, it's. I think I think those can be a little bit more spectacular because you're not worried about trying to get both feet in. You can you can you can lean out and uh, you can lay out a little bit better for them. And also, so the definition of a catch after you catch with one uh, with one part of your body in the in the field of play is it's any part of your body count. Uh, and if you maintain control of the ball long enough to perform a football act, so basically the old NFL rule. Where if you can if you can pitch it or hand the ball off or advance it or uh, turn up field turn up field anything it counts as a catch you don't have to go all the way to the ground and it's take five and steps, then no one knows downs. what's going on this this is another save time uh, situation and the the NFL catch rule is so confusing and complicated <laughs> it's all anybody talked about years and now it's test interference because one problem led to another no one has is, any idea what a catch is in the nfl anymore and i think well, this is a good way to solve that problem i know what catching the nfl is you have to catch the ball but while you're going to the ground you have to tap, tap dance and cook a steak and then hang on to the football and this the steak correct. has to be medium rare oh yeah if it's if it's uh if it's well done uh you're you're out of the game yeah you're done. no no if, if it's medium you're out of the game if it's rare you uh it's just no catch <laughs> I like my steaks medium, but you could blast me if you want. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Well done, just, you know, get off the planet. We ask them politely yet firmly to leave the game. Is there um, a rule of that Vince McMahon has to start every season by walking out in front of one of the stadiums and screaming, This is the XFL! That was a surprisingly good Vince really McMahon good. impression. I will give you that. There's some smaller rules here. Uh... All these are called common sense rules, which I like. It's like a they get everybody else. Like, hey guys, uh, fix this. It's easy. Um, legal man downfield. No ineligible player shall be or have been more than three yards beyond the line of scrimmage until a passer throws a legal forward pass that crosses the line of scrimmage. A player is in violation of this rule if any part of his body is beyond the three-yard limit. Nice and I simple. Know, I don't know how that's going to work. Screens, because screens a lot of the time are not thrown past the line of scrimmage. So I want to see how that works. Yeah. It'll be interesting. The rationale here is for the RPO. Like this rule is specifically written mm-hmm. for the RPO. Yeah. Um, because I'm curious to see how that works for double forward passes. Because when you have a guy like Q, you know, you throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage to a guy who can either throw it or run it. I guess that would be kind of a Another form of an RPO in the sense of the word. The one, the one thing about that is, is if you're running that wide receiver screen pass that we've kind of been talking about, the offensive line really isn't in that play anymore. So it, they should really just stay where they are, and that should, in that specific case, be an issue with the double forward pass because that's going to be come a, sh- a little game with. There was three or four receivers that are lined up over there, and really just them. The last rule of any note, really, is ten minute halftime. Team come back. All the yeah. time you got ten minutes. It's fine. I like that. I think right now in the NFL it's like fifteen minutes, so it's one less commercial. Something like that. 
I wonder if even the, I wonder if that if that's the case, they'd even have a half. Well, I mean, it's let's say it's a championship game and you have a halftime show. You can do what the NFL does; that the Super Bowl halftime is always a little bit longer. But that's yeah. something that you know. No, I'm talking about like the broadcast team having a halftime show, like oh, when you go sorry. back and watch stats and and other other things They'll going do it on. Quickly. Also, They'll remember do a quick with a smaller one. with a smaller league, you also don't have as many highlights you have to go over. You're right. They'll, they'll probably just run a commercial, have a two or three minute halftime show, run another set of commercials, and then come back. That's pretty right. much all you really need right there. I'm good with That'll that. Probably be I like that it's speedy. I like that it's going to take a lot a lot less time to get through a game so I can get into the next game um, and not be completely drained at the end. And that's, that's, and that's something that I've really appreciated. Like when I've been, when I w- go watch soccer games, you're in and out of the stadium in about two hours. It doesn't almost take on forever. The dot. I, almost on the dot. Yeah. It, and, the NFL needs to shorten these things down because, my God, we can't sit there and watch. It's just football overload after, after a while. I can't even, believe I just said that. Even the game I was at, I, I, when I was at the Bills playoff game, there was even getting in the third and fourth quarter where you have so many commercial breaks. And you know, I'm a huge Bills fan. And I'm thrilled to be there. But it gets even to the point where it's like, okay, come on, let's move this along. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm I'm super happy with like all the rules um that are going on in in the XFL. I think there's room for improvement, but we need to get through season 1 first to go back and take a look at, at what worked, what didn't work. And I think there's going to be a lot of changes between season 1 and season 2. It's um, all set of of uh, test pilot rules though. Yeah, it's a really really good thing. You know, they took a lot from the NFL, they took a lot from college, even a lot from what the AAF did, rest in peace. Um, I, th- I think we're. I think what the XFL is going to be is quick paced action, football, 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 and not a lot of break. I'm not sure how advertisers are going to react to to all these rules. I think you're going to see a lot of picture in picture. I'm fine um, with that. Yeah, that should be okay. Uh, and I think a lot of stuff is gonna is gonna evolve over time, and it's a really good place to start. Isn't that um, what the AEF was doing, though? The picture-in-picture that you were always, even when they were on commercial, you always saw the field and like the players in their huddle and whatnot, so you didn't miss anything. Right. That was one of my favorite parts of the AEF. Well, and the NFL's been doing a little bit of picture-in-picture, too. Now, too. That's fair. I think we've talked rules to death now, though. Yeah, rules are over. Um, you guys want to talk? Let's talk the Vipers coaches, because we have an idea of at least what we've got there. If you are listening to the show and you're confused out of your mind, I don't blame you. The XFL's brand new. Um, the Tampa Bay Vipers are going to be our home team. If you are a Vipers fan, welcome. This is the Bullseye Podcast. If you are a Bulls fan and you're looking for more football, this league starts in February right after the Super Bowl. And you're going to be thrown in to a lot of action regarding uh, the XFL, the Tampa Bay Vipers. We're going to be talking about it every single week during the season. Um, it's a good way for us to connect as a fan base and learn about all these new players, all these new coaches, this whole new team. It's going to be a lot of fun. At least for me, it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope everyone else has a lot of fun. Just remember, uh, we are we, not a journalism. We're not a journalism. Never been, never will be. Uh, but... Let's get started talking about these Tampa Bay Vipers, them Snake Boys, um, and learn about 
head coach Mark Tressman. So, head coach Mark Tressman. Uh, some some of you might know him from his stint in the NFL. He was he was the head coach of the Chicago Bears for two years, 2013, 2014. Nobody cares. I know him. I know him <laughs> fairly well because of that. Tyler might know him because of that because Tyler oh, is a him. Green Bay fan. Yeah, exactly. Tyler. Him. Tyler loves him, but for the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Just like I love Mitch Trubisky. Exactly. Damn. You can go eat shit. Um, oh. <laughs> and hey. I'll be honest, he didn't, he didn't really impress me in the NFL. But something that and I can't help but consider the fact that uh, he, he had a couple stints in the CFL. He's got three Grey Cups under his belt there. Like, and he, two Coach of the Year awards. That's hard to argue with. Obviously, the first two were in 2009-2010. He made his name in the CFL before moving to the NFL. But he went back to Toronto in 2017 and managed to win the Grey Cup that year. But then uh, in 2018, he went 4-14. and So, not great. Um, he's been a little bit everywhere. Just looking at his, his resume, he started as a University of Miami coach. If you are listening to the show and you're a University of Miami fan, you're going to like Mark, off, Mark Tressman. He was a coach for Miami from 1981 to 1984 uh, as the quarterbacks coach and a uh, volunteer assistant coach. Was he? Wait, did he? Uh, that means he has, a, he has a national title ring, doesn't he? Or is that they, right before they became the national power? I think this is before they were actually good. He almost. He almost has a Super Bowl ring too because um, he was with Oakland uh, from o- 01 to 03. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Tresman so does, does have a national title ring with uh, Bernie Kozar. Yep. Yeah. 1983. We're looking at the Wikipedia page. This is how we do our research. We're not in journalism. We're not in journalism. We're doing we it on the fly, baby. Wikipedia is a reputable source. Changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> like I was saying, he lost in the um, Super Bowl against, ironically, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, um, but the, the, quarter- Super Bowl. the the quarterback that he, uh, the quarterback of the uh, of the Raiders that year, uh, Rich Gannon, won the 2002 MVP, and uh, he was the uh, he was the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. He mentored a quarterback while well, he was the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach to a 2002 uh, NFL MVP, but. He was 13 and 19 as an NFL head coach, 68 and 40 as a CFL head coach. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah, it should be. It should be. And he put together a pretty good group of guys uh, underneath him as his coaches. Uh, the Tampa Bay Vipers offensive coordinator slash receivers coach is Jamie Elizondo. The DC is Jerry Glanville. Um, quarterbacks coach is Josh Nicewander. Nicewander. Yeah, he can come on the show and tell me his name. Uh, running backs, running backs coach is Justin Poindexter, and that's a smart ass name. So he's probably a smart ass coach. Um, offensive line: Jonathan Himbach. Heimbach? I think it's Heimbach. Heimbach. I want to say Heimbach. Heimbach. Uh, tight ends coach: Pete Manjurian. These are names. These are some weird <laughs> names. I love them. Okay. Um, defensive Better. line coach: Burt Hill. Linebackers coach: Mike Archer. Secondary coach William Fields and assistant secondary coach Billy Parker with uh, Frank Gans Jr. is your special teams coordinator. 
I do want the better make... coaching staff, USF or Vipers. In in terms of names, or just in do terms it in whatever terms you would good. like. In terms of names, I don't think anyone beats USF. We have some of the best names, but this is close. I mean, our head our head coach has uh, two first names. What more do you want? I was always told not to trust trust anybody with two first names, but we'll see how it goes. While we're mentioning USF, I do want to mention that there is a USF connection in the front office of Vipers. Josh Bullock, the president of the organization, he uh, back in uh, 2018 and 2019 was the senior associate AD of development and was the vice president of corporate partnerships at the Rays from 2010 to 2018. So a local guy is running the, org- running the show. There are a bunch of USF players to root for, even if you don't pick a favorite. If you're not a huge fan of the Vipers, there's a bunch of other teams to go around and pick because there are USF players. If you're a Vipers fan, uh, you have Quentin Flowers, Volcano Dillon, Sean Price. Remember Sean Price? He is a Dallas Renegade. Um, Quinterius Eatman is, in the, is on the Seattle Dragons. And uh, he's with BJ Daniels. At, uh, on the dragon, so and I'm sure there's more who've been picked up over time. Um, they're going to be huge, huge factors for their teams. And you're, if you don't follow any team specifically, you're going to want to follow their journey. And we're going to try to give highlights of their experiences uh, on the field to you guys. So we're going to be following those players um, and their and and their season. Um, just as much as we're going to be following the Vipers. That's what the Snake Pit's all about, is the XFL and all those all those USF players who didn't get a shake or a fair shake or uh, a good shot in the, in the NFL, proving themselves worthy by kicking ass in the XFL every single week. Look at, look at Dearness Johnson. He, he balled out in the AAF, and now he's on an active roster, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's on kick return for the Browns. And he had a great, he had a really good year at kick return. So I'm, I'm excited to see what players are going to ball for, former Bulls are going to ball in this and see maybe if they can get a, a look in the NFL. Technically, he's not an active roster because he's not active right now. <laughs> oh, fair. Okay, smart. Boom. Um, can you do me a favor or somebody look up if BJ is going to be the one in the Seattle? Sure. He is the one. He is the one. Okay. I wasn't don't 100% fact check me, sure. but yeah, that's where I'm kind of at. I think he's going to be the one, but I don't remember who they drafted to be. I think he was their assigned. One was assi- One was assigned, and then the rest uh, they drafted. So Aaron you Murray know? was the Vipers' uh, allotment, and then Q was drafted. Which the so reaction? Who... The reaction when it was. When Murray was announced over Q, that reaction was pretty funny. Oh, every single day, I see the XFL tweet out and, about Aaron Murray and their quarterbacks, and we're all like, where's Q? Where's Q? And they finally, this week, threw Q a bone all over their social media. And on Twitter, everyone went wild, because that's our boy. We're, gonna, we're supporting him, I think, more than the, than the Vipers as a team. We want to see Q shine, because we know he's the highest quality QB that they have. Aaron Murray sucked in the NFL. He sucked in the AF. I don't know why he's still quarterbacking in anything that's not Canada. All right, chill, chill, chill. Yeah, that's a little. <laughs> chill. There's going to be a Vipers podcast. 
chill. You're right. I'm just. I want. Keenan He's not a well. bad quarterback. <laughs> He's not a great. Quarterback. We just want our guy instead. That's all. Yeah, I'm I, I would be. I would be okay having having Murray at be the number one quarterback mm-hmm. if if the Vipers realize what they have in Q, kind of have him act as a running back, for lack of a better term, but somebody who's gonna, you know, you could do like a direct snap pass or take advantage of that double pass rule. The, say a wildcat, kind of. But the rules that the rules that the XFL rolled out, Q could be an absolute X factor in this with his ability both to throw and make people look stupid and juke him. So, I'm I'm excited to see what what they're going to do. But we all know what their Twitter page is going to look like if uh, if Q's not the starter. He's not going to be. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a world where PJ Daniels is starting on this team because the other the other quarterbacks are Chase Litton from Marshall, uh, Brandon Silver's from Troy, and I'm trying to find if there's anybody else in this roster. I think there was one, but I think he's now with the uh, Lions practice squad, if I heard correctly. Yeah. So BJ Daniels is definitely the number one, like for sure. He's the only one. There's a uh, uh, Seattle roster breakdown on uh, BlitzAnalytics.com, and they're going over the four of them. For B.J. Daniels, it's, and I quote, a scrambling QB whose accuracy wanes unless he gets to a rhythm. And that's all they have to say on B.J. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. That is true. Speaking of of a champion, uh, I see if I can find the tweet. Apparently, there's going to be, unless something happens, another bowl is going to win. Another bowl is going to win a Super Bowl this year. Because there's uh, Austin Ryder uh, is on KC, Nigel Harris is on Tennessee, MVS on Green Bay, and Kofi Amichia on 49ers. So we're going to have another Super lose. Bowl champion. Love it. You'll love to see it. Um, let's transition all out of the snake pit. Um, Carl, keep adding the, the just. Sound that that Juan made earlier. Uh, transition out of the out of that back to USF. Let's talk how we completely flubbed this basketball no. game. Uh, <laughs> can no. we just win one for the love of God? No. I, I saw a really <laughs> really depressing stat today. So this year we had a fifty three to forty six lead against Nebraska. Twelve thirty left in the game. We were up sixty six to sixty two against Utah State with a minute six remaining. We were up 57-47 against FSU with 6-13 left in the game. And today we were up 51-37. And that was capitalized on a, you know, uh, David Collins absolutely slamming the ball. Kind of remind me of the DePaul game last year where he somehow jumped over the arena and slammed it like you would see on NBA Jam. Um, but, you know, all four games this year, winnable games, would have been big program wins. And we could get it done, and it's frustrating. I don't. I just don't get it. What do we have to change? What do we have to get change a, get to get these back. W's? Uh, yeah, yeah, that we can the thing is, the thing is with with Yetna, <laughs> regardless of whether or not we have them, we're in, and we got to live in the world we live in, right? So we don't have them. We're in these games we're until close. the last like five minutes, and then we just completely stop playing the way that we should. 
we're right there, but we you can't win when you shoot one of ten down the stretch. Don't get it. Juan, go ahead. We shot two percent from the field. Yep. I was just gonna Oof. say that. Memphis shot fifty four percent from the field. Like come on now. Right. And David Collins for thirty eight minutes made six of fourteen shots. Right. He's sure he's the savior. He's really, really good. We love David Collins. He's got to improve. He's either forcing too many shots that aren't gonna go in, or there's no one else except for Dawson who had over ten shots up. Um, are they just not getting open? I'm Castaneda only had one shot and missed. Are we not spreading the ball around when you don't have? a true inside threat or a true three-point shooter, it is really hard to get quality shots. Because when you don't have a quality three-point shooter, nobody's rushing out to cover and opening up space. You don't have somebody in the post that's dominant. You don't have somebody going down and double so that your guys on the outside are open. We don't have a true person on either one of those things, so we're always going to have an issue. And Michael Durr and Merit Give them credit. They're trying to fill that gap that uh, that Kerr and Yetna are left. But the, the best way I can see it is, you, like, do you guys remember when uh, Loxa, like, she was at her best when everybody was terrified of Courtney and they could only put one on at her and she made people pay. That's kind of the feeling I'm getting with Durr and Merchavich. Yes, they're playing pretty well. They're playing hard. But Having Getna on the floor as the person that defenses had to rely on made life easier for Durr. Now, he's still playing pretty well, uh, but... His free throws could use some work. Uh, well, that's, that's the whole team. But, you know, David Collins went 11 for 50 from the free throw line today, so he's actually excused from that today. Listen, of our, of our 16 made free throws, uh, David Collins made 11. So that means if he went if he went eleven for fifteen, that means the rest of the team went five of eleven. Only three people even took shots. So really, it's it's up to Durr who missed six. He went three for nine. Oof. Also, Q went two for two though. That's progress. Listen, I would hope he could at least make free throws since he missed uh, eight shots. Um, but anyways, uh, the point I want to make is David Collins. Spent a lot of time at the line, um, so I want to know like how much of his six of fourteen uh, on the field was actually him being fouled and not making it. But also, Marjevich doesn't belong on the field. I think he should just be a manager. He's tall for no reason. Yeah, eleven minutes, no shots attempted, two rebounds. We just don't have bodies. We don't have bodies to replace him. I don't feel like we don't have. Yeah, no, we don't else? have. We don't have forwards. We're a team of guards. Just go small, honestly. Small yeah. and fast, and but when you go small, you need someone to hit shots. And did you? And Memphis was already having no issues getting dunks and layups. Yeah, they, I mean, this... and part of it, part of that's not even a knock on South Florida. Didn't Memphis have the number one recruiting class in the country this past off season? Yes. So, and that was but we were we were placement. up by fourteen. Their best ones not playing. That's true. It, look, it's. It's frustrating, yes. We're right there, though. It's... What, what do we need to do to get over the top? Listen, we're very... we, play, 
Go ahead. We're very close to being there. We're also very close to not being there. We need to be really good at something. And right now we're good. We're just average at everything. About Solid everything. jacks of all traits without ever excelling at one specific thing. And we need say, to Well jacks. this is this is a this is a big weekend though. Because we go to the wrong side of I four on Saturday. And I feel like that's one where we, we need we need a W there. Yeah, yeah. Nice in Melbourne. If you if you beat in. if you beat UCF, you might inject some life back into this team. Because when when you when you give up in in the last in the last bit of the game, after doing your best the entire game and you can't finish. Because they can't finish. In no high profile game this year have they finished. It's not an effort issue. Effort's not the problem. So I'm not going to say like they're giving up, but they're what? worn out. Something, something is is changing between the last in the last ten minutes. That it, it that could be they're worn completely out. ineffective. It, it could be they're worn out. I mean, look at look at the women's team last year. Obviously, we had a lot more injuries, or the women had a lot more injuries last year. But how many games for the women were in last year until the last five minutes, where they just ran out of gas? So maybe losing two of their key players. Now more people have to play more minutes. I mean, uh, Collins went 38. Uh, Dawson went 38. Durr went 28. Brown went, went 34. Q went 31. Your it starters was... combined for almost all the minutes. Your minutes off the bench, Marichevich with 11. Uh, Castaneda with 18, which he had kind of a rough game today, but I've been happy with Castaneda's development for the most part this year. And then Rashawn Williams went 12. So. The biggest That's 41 minutes total on your bench. For today, the biggest issue was Memphis's talent showed up in the second half. There, I was just I was sitting there watching the game, and I was sitting with um, Shelby's dad, and I just said, "Look, look at how long they are. Just literally, they are they just have they have better athletes. They do." And it was bound to catch up eventually because at the end of the game, we kept driving and they were blocking every single shot we threw up. That's fair. Because they had so much length. It doesn't provide an excuse for the rest of the games, but I feel like today they just decided to start playing basketball with their talent. Because even though they don't have that best recruit, they still have a guy who's projected to go, what, 11th, 10th? Yep, 11th. In the draft. So. It's not like they're devoid of talent. Nobody in our, on our team is getting drafted. Let's also remember, though, that next year, and I hate looking forward to next year, but we have a four-star shooting guard coming in. We have a 6'10 center coming in, and then a 6'8 transfer from Iowa State. So reinforcements are coming. I, it's disappointing because we thought this was going to be the year off the CI, that this was going to be the year we... You know, either made the tournament or but we were on the bubble time. I true. I choose to believe that we're we're close, and part of it is I believe in Brian Gregory. I think we're I think we're close because we are going toe to toe with a lot of good teams, with the exception of SMU, which just wasn't our day and all went wrong. But over the last couple of games, almost beat FSU, should have beat FSU, kicked the crap out of UConn, which I know they're bad, but that's always enjoyable beating UConn. ECU. I had a problem with the last play down two. 
and the whole play was just designed to we want to get fouled, which Q puts up an absolutely terrible shot, and ACU gets the ball back, and that was it. And then but we were you, with Memphis the whole time. That that exactly what you just said though is what I've been saying is like when you don't have something that you're really good at at the end of a game, you're gonna have plays like that because you don't have a play that you can go to and get. You know, like how many times? Uh, like I remember the um, the SMU game last year where David Collins hits a three almost at the buzzer to win the game. Yes, he made a really good play, but then you also had another big threat on the floor like Yetna that SMU had to, they had to account for. This year, it's pretty much, especially with Memphis's size, they were daring us to drive it because they knew they could block it, and down the stretch, they blocked everything. It's frustrating. We're close. Please get over the top soon, and please, for the sweet love of God, beat that school in Orlando. USF, in, in happy news, USF women's basketball beat Tulsa today in convincing fashion. Uh, 68 to 52. An expected result, but a good one as it is. It's good to see Cindy Harvey get going after starting the season uh, on the IR. So if she can get going, because this basketball gods absolutely hate this team with injuries because uh, Maria Alvarez went down. Oh, God. That was bad. That was really bad because she, she went down basically the same way as Pinzon. But then again, Pinzon was out warming up that game. And Pinzon she was, played she was, 32 minutes tonight. Yeah, so at least it's nothing that, at least so far, it doesn't look like it's anything that we're going to be losing players out um, long term. But man, really? And they also play, um, we have a full war on I 4 weekend. The men play. In Orlando on Saturday, the women play at home on Sunday. So you're looking for something to do on Sunday? Go cheer! Go cheer for the ladies as they uh they they're gonna want some revenge after two tough losses last year. Yeah, let's go get some more and I four points. We're actually somewhat in it this year because we took points in uh, track. We took points in running sports. Let's go get the road sign. I want to make um, a quick shout out to. Uh, Absolute dynasty known as men's tennis, uh, beating the dirty birds of uh, of uh, FGCU seven nothing over the weekend. Yeah, fuck the dirty birds. And then, um, oh, I'm not cursing this season. Uh, frick the dirty birds. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. And then U.S. Huff hockey split with uh, FGCU over the weekend as well. F- uh, FGCU won in Tampa, and uh, USF won in Fort Myers. All right. Um, and with that. That's a good amount of Tampa talk. Let's transition. Uh, We're going to end the show soon, but I want to know from you guys, this NFL playoff has been a roller coaster. The teams remaining are the Titans, the Chiefs, San Francisco, and Green Bay. Let's go 49ers, BP. Undefeated, never lost. Holy freaking wind. Yeah, someone's breathing really hard into their mic, and it's fun. <laughs> what are your guys' no. picks for the AFC Championship game? AC. Had him in the playoffs since, or had him in the Super Bowl since the beginning. Sticking with him, KC. Dude, Titans beat KC in the regular season. Have him back. I want the Titans. Derrick Henry will run all over the 
give me the Titans. I'm there. I think they'll control the clock, and KC's defense just hasn't proven that they're that they can step up when need be. Um, I'm taking Kansas City because they proved oh, today that somebody. you can score as many points as you want. I'm just being whenever. contradictory. Yeah, they proved today they can score as many points as they want, and fuck your defense. It doesn't matter. Or, frick your defense. It doesn't matter. I'm um, still leaving that in. That's fine. Um, t- the Titans are really, really good because of Derrick Henry. And if anything happened to him, they're going to lose a game. If you can stop Derrick Henry, or if you can limit him to under 200 yards, I think Kansas City has a shot. Um, they, they have one of the greatest arms I've ever seen at quarterback. They have amazing weapons like Tyreek Hill. Their defense isn't the best, but they came to play today. Uh, that after was an insane quarter. second after the quarter. First, after the, the first quarter. After the yeah. first quarter, they came to play. Yeah, they were just, it was a handicap. Here, here's three touchdowns. Go ahead. If, <laughs> 52. <laughs> if Tennessee falls behind by any more than a touchdown, it's over. I really yeah. think so. For sure. I, mean, that's I think how, that can that's happen. You, that's what you have to do to beat Tennessee. You're not going to stop it, but if you can keep them under 100 yards to a touchdown, you'll win the game. Alright, thanks for reporting from the ISS. <laughs> um, let's talk the NFC Championship game. Alright, two of the oldest teams in football going at it. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, aka Juan, versus uh, Tyler's Green Bay Packers. Who do you guys oh got? Same order. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I said I wasn't going to say it out loud again. But I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So there, I'm not saying Picking it. Against go himself. pack, go. Go pack, go. I'm not saying it out loud. Go pack, go. Hooray. We, hooray, we have a. All right, Phil, stop. Juan um, <laughs> was second. Yeah. Uh, listen, 49ers, they're going to win it all. Were undefeated, never lost. I guess your your secret your, your the Seahawks are done. So I don't see any reason why you're not. Um, Dude, we face Green Bay at Green Bay and I rubbed them. What are you talking about? Didn't happen. Well, it was like fifty-one <laughs> seven. I think it was thirty-eight, thirty-eight, yeah. seven or thirty-eight ten. Tyler, the answer is undefeated, never lost. <laughs> we were thirteen and three too. <laughs> no, no, you're like 16 and 0, obviously. Okay, Charlie Strong. <laughs> were we not set up? Were we did not set up the playoffs. We also beat a team in the playoffs. No, no, I'm not saying you, that we're better than you. I'm just saying we're better than Charlie Strong, is what I'm saying. It's not hard to be better than Charlie Strong when you're in an NFL playoff team. Hey, if you had told me at the beginning of the year Packers would make the NFC Championship game, I probably would have taken All right. So I got the 49ers so, simply because Green Bay can fall into a pit. Oof. How are the Bears doing? <laughs> huh? How are the Bears doing again? I'm still your rival, so, you know, huh. I don't care. Interesting. Yeah. It was a real good season you had last year. Hey, don't make fun of the Bears. They've I will make really fun of the Bears. You will not be able to lose in as memorable fashion as the Bears did. Double doink. Exactly. You'll, 
I um, dare you to try to lose in a more heartbreaking and memorable fashion than that. What's the um, record? As a Giants what's, what's fan, the worst playoff ever. What's the worst playoff loss ever? <laughs> That's a good question. I actually don't know. <laughs> we might need to find that out. Hold yeah. on, wait. Are we talking about? Are we talking about only playoff losses? Because the Giants have the most memorable loss of all time with Miracle in the Medal. Uh, I mean, I that is accurate. The Seahawks the did get an onside kick off of a Packers face mask to win a game, and then won in overtime. <laughs> I think that might be a little more miraculous. Matt Dodge is not allowed in New York. Anyways. He's banned. <laughs> Anyways, we're, we're tangenting. All right, tangenting. Mike. Uh, so, all right, Phil, are you back from uh, Mars? Yep. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, nope. All right. Just say uh, a team, Phil, one word. In... San Francisco. He's in San Francisco. All right, so pick San Francisco. Um, I'm taking San Francisco because uh, I really don't want the Green. I don't want the Packers to win. I don't need to see what happens when Tyler wins the Super Bowl again. It just I don't need it. Um, yeah, man. It's just it is the way it is. Um, so that's the NFL. Let's talk predictions. For the college football final, I want Clemson because LSU doesn't deserve a title. I want Clemson to win because of our new coach, but I think LSU is going to win by like thirty. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing as my uh, NFC championship pick. I don't want to say it, but Joe Burrow. Now that so. that's that said, I wouldn't hate it if L- if LSU wins by thirty because. <laughs> you know, it, they've been just so much fun to watch this year, and it's not Alabama. Um, or Georgia, for that matter. Um, I'm... Oh, I'm not next. Who's next? Astronaut. The International Space Station. Alright, Phil, say, say which school in one word. Okay, type it in chat, maybe? LSU or Clemson, Phil? Is Phil even in, in here right now? He is. He's going to say Clemson. I got a gut feeling. Phil chooses the Buffalo Bills. He's typing. I know. How long does it take? So we're not take looking for word? a novel, bud. <laughs> LSU, LSU won't be a blowout, but LSU is more battle tested. I'd say that's fair. Trevor right, Lawrence has never fair. lost. I'm Actually, never LSU. lost. <laughs> Trevor, not Trevor Lawrence has lost two never games in college. Career. Um, I'm taking LSU uh, because I've I've taken LSU since ever um, on every single prediction I I had. Uh, so I'm going to keep taking them. Um, the bookmakers uh, see it as a high scoring affair with the over under at sixty nine point five. That's fucking. The over is minus 106. Uh, the under is uh, minus 115. And that's oh, as of God. January 12th at 2 p.m. <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, I. Yeah. All right. Those are our predictions for the NFL. That's all we got for episode one of season two of the Bullseye Podcast. Welcome to the Snake Pit. Uh, 
Uh, we're so excited to get to the beginning of XFL football. Uh, I just wish this NFL playoffs would get out of the way so we can watch some real football. Excuse me. <laughs> I think me and Juan are coming to your house now to fight you. I would love if you guys came over. Um, I did already. I moved out. You state. did. You mm. did. All right. A couple hours um, away now. Yeah, true. <laughs> Have fun at your new gig. All right, let's go. End the episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm ending it. I'm ending it. I wanted to congratulate my buddy on a job well done. Get over it. Um, <laughs> that's it for this episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at BullseyeCast um, or on YouTube. Uh, we have our YouTube channel. We put every episode up there um, as a video, so go check it out. Or everywhere podcasts live, every single platform. If you're not on, if you listen to some weird platform, we're probably still on that one. Anyway, um, check us out every single week throughout the the XFL. Season.